Hello, good morning. Lovely to see you all here this morning. Tony, you're right, the front row. The, uh, I don't know, do we over pronounce our P's? And is there a danger for being on the front row or something? Is it? Feel free to just uh, to fill up from the front uh, early on in the morning. It does help, by the way, the uh, ones with little kids and families that might, you know, for very, very real reasons, uh, get here a little bit late. You know, it sometimes helps to, uh, to uh, have a few rows at the back free for those uh, for those that come in just a little bit after 10. Anyhow, this morning we are carrying on in our series, last one in the series on uh, on the trip, and. Uh, it has been it has been a little while going through this through this time. Obviously, with a big break in the middle as we uh, as we uh, navigated our way around the, um, the COVID situation, and uh, I just want to start by saying thanks to uh, yeah, Barbara and Sarita for, for for giving us that that quick little insight. We've been talking a fair bit about the church. We've been talking about the, the series has been on the church. We've been concentrating on the church, and and that has probably felt a, a, a fair bit. I guess internal in some ways, and I think it's a really good uh, comment there um, that the uh, spiritual gifts, while they are for the church, like the, for the building up and the uh, edifying of the, the church, we are not just the church when we're sitting here, are we? We are the church 148 hours of the week. Seven days of the week, we're, we're out there and we are feeding the church wherever we are, and so our spiritual gifts could be used um, all the time, absolutely. And, uh, and those that our spiritual gifts should be a, a blessing also to the world. The, the gifts are there to proclaim Christ. That's part of what we talked about a week or so ago, and, then, uh, and so that should be done wherever we are. Okay, but if you've got your Bibles, uh, grab them. We are in uh, we are in First Corinthians chapter fourteen today. Today is the second on the topic of spiritual gifts. We uh, we opened it up last week. We talked about a number of things, and today, essentially, what we're going to hone uh, in on is the gift of prophecy. I would have loved to have been able to just walk through a number of the gifts that uh, with you, uh, but yeah, as, as often happens, times is not enough. Uh, allow that. So, uh, uh, if we have a look at prophecy, it is one of the ones that is probably the most difficult to navigate. If we can navigate that, it's probably going to help us uh, with understanding the, the rest of the list. But let's have a look at what God's Word has to say. Is, uh, I've got the references at least on the on the screen there, and uh, the beginnings of uh, chapter 14 and the end of chapter 14, flowing into chapter 15. Let's have a look at that together. First Corinthians 14, verse 1, I'm reading for the NIV. Following the way of love and eagerly desire, sorry, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For if anyone who speaks in a tongue does not, uh, does not speak to men but to God, indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries within, with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. That he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may be edified. Now, let's uh, look over towards the end of this chapter, and uh, Paul's going to pick up again on the, top, the topic of, of uh, prophecy. And we're going to flow into the beginnings of uh, chapter 15. 
37, if anyone, if anybody, thinks he is a prophet, he's spiritually gifted, let him acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. If he ignores it, he himself will be ignored. Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in God. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the Father. As we dig into this passage, and Father, we uh, we thank you for the gathering together like this. We thank you that we can open your word and that we can learn from it. We want to thank you for uh, for the series that we've been able to go through in the church and, and just learn about how we operate together as a church. And as we uh, dive into something that is just a little more difficult, uh, a little on the on the end of things that perhaps feel uncomfortable for many of us. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to lead us, guide us through this topic. And allow us to think clearly, allow us to love one another, even in, in, uh, even through differences. I pray that you would, you know, in, in all of us, that you would be glorified, that your name would be honored, and uh, that, that your son Jesus would be lifted high through all that we do and all that we say, all that we teach, and all that we live out through our life. So we thank you for this time here. And in Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. I uh, was a few years ago uh, at church over in the US, and there was a guy that was uh, um, part of the church there, and he had grown up and he had had a, 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 a somewhat of a, perhaps you might say, different church experience when he became a Christian. Became a Christian. He went to a, uh, or gathered with a, with a church. That was um, maybe your maybe your stereotypical American big show. Uh, they would uh, gather together and they would sit their seats, and there was uh, an amazing, essentially a rock concert on the on the stage, and uh, they would all enjoy that. And then, at a, at a at a preordained time in the in the service, there were some doors at the back of the stage, and all the students there had been some guards standing beside these doors. And at the preordained time, the guards opened up the side of the, the doors, and with a puff of smoke and you know the fog machine, etc., the uh, the pastor would would walk out of the door, come up and stand at his lectern, wax eloquent for 30, 40 minutes. And, uh, and then he would turn around and go back through the doors that were opened up by the guys, and the doors would be closed, and uh, the service would be finished, and you would go home having been ministered to. And uh, a little bit of a little bit different kind of experience, as he as he described it, uh, to you that the church setting that, that we that we know uh, here, and of the church setting that, that we're part of uh, over in the U.S. And it was interesting as he compared that to uh, to what we and even compared to what we've been talking about about the the church uh, the church setting here and how we should understand what the church is. The, the what he grew up understanding what was this is, this is his kind of thought as he was a new Christian. This is what church was. Church was something you come into a building that you come into. You sit down for ninety minutes or a couple of hours or whatever it might be. You hear. You you sit. You watch. You listen. 
you that you've had someone talk to you and then you go home and that's it. And then the rest of the week you just do your normal rest of the week thing. And then the next Sunday come along and do the, do the same thing. And hopefully, as we've been walking through this church series, that idea of, of, uh, of what, a church, uh, what a church could end up being like that stands in stark contrast to what the, the Bible describes as church. We are a church. We've just been, just been hearing about how some of our members have been in the church as they've been out there in the, in the community. We are a church, and yes, we gather together, and yes, it's good to have that music, and we're really thankful for that, and it's excellent, and it's, it's good to uh, we do those things as well, and, uh, and it's good to, to uh, open God's Word and, and learn from it. All those things are a part of what we do. And yes, we are the church, and it's not just this 90 minutes that we uh, spend together that is uh, us being the church. We are the church 24 7, 148. Is it 168? I'm going to never remember that figure. 168 hours per week. And, and then we, we come to the, the book of Corinthians, and we wonder then, okay, so. As we read through the book of Corinthians, there seems to be some, uh, some really unusual stuff going on here. So we, we, we see our context and we sit in our, in our context and we're part of the church here and we look at the book of Corinthians. The book of Corinthians feels unusual. To be fair, if you're reading through it, you get the idea that the Corinthian church was a bit of a training. You know, there was all sorts of stuff going on here. And, and what was happening was the Corinthians always writing to them because their church, as a church, they had been getting into the pattern and getting into the habit of wanting to use gifts just all for themselves and for their own uh, kind of showing and showboating and elevating some gifting. And, uh, and for that gifting to be all about one set of, one little subset of the church. But as one preacher mentioned, uh, we must never lose sight of the purpose behind the spiritual gifts. The building up of the whole church through spiritual power and ministry of the whole church is what we're about. The spiritual gifts that, the, that Paul was talking to the Corinthians about, the whole purpose behind these spiritual gifts is the building up of the church through spirit-empowered ministry of the whole church. Notice that spirit-empowered ministry. Because the spiritual gifts are real. We've just been hearing some about that. And we are really indwelt by the Holy Spirit, by the presence of God Himself. And so we should expect these spiritual gifts to be spiritual. We should expect these spiritual gifts to be exciting. I want to propose to you that if you're bored in your Christian faith, you're doing it wrong. Because the Holy Spirit is living within you and He is empowering you for ministry. And we're all given different gifts here. We're all given different gifts, and if you want to have a look through uh, chapter 12, we, we, we had a look at that last week. If you look through chapter, chapter 12, there are uh, a number of different gifts, and uh, we're all given those gifts for the benefit of each other. And I think, I think we, we, in some respect, we understand that. Uh, not all of us came here this morning thinking we were going to be le- leading worship. And I'm, I'm really glad that it was Andrew and Natalie and the team there that were doing that, and uh, had no offense, but not some of you. Another one's here. And perhaps uh, not me, certainly this, this morning. That is, we've all come here expecting to know uh, that some are going to use this in, in some ways, some are going to use this in other ways. 
in the sanest way, and as just as we've been hearing, through the week. We should be expecting to use our gifts to encourage one another, to build one another up. We should expect to use our gifts here on and on as we gather together. And there's going to be, not everyone's going to be using the gifts in a, in a sort of steadiness up here. But we're all going to use gifts as we interact with one another, as we encourage one another, as we help one another. We're all necessary. We're all part of the body. We're all here to do, uh, to, to be involved and to use your gifting for the building up of the church. I, uh, I grew up in school. Uh, I was down here at Seattle College, and uh, my sport during, during school was basketball. And I played a fair bit uh, through that time. And of course, the I think a teenager in the 90s, playing basketball, of course, my sports hero was Michael Jones. That's obvious, yeah? Michael Jones, clearly the best player ever to play the game of basketball. And you have LeBron James fans over there, you can post the comments for later. But, uh, but he was, he was in, in pretty incredible. I watched a documentary on him just, uh, just recently, learned a fair bit, a bit more about him. In the first few years, he broke every kind of scoring record and MVP record, etc., etc., that there was in the game. And yet, there was, it got a few years into his career, and he realized he could not win an NBA championship there. He was an amazing player. Undoubtedly, everyone was proclaiming that this guy was the best that ever was, and yet he couldn't win a championship. You know why? He realized he needed a team around him. He needed to need, need, realize that as good as he was, he could not do it. He could not win that championship without a team. And the same was, the same was uh, is within the church here. We might have the most amazing music team up here that you could ever imagine and just blow ourselves up with incredible music and, and, and worship every week. And if we're not the church together, working together, then we are never going to be the group, the church, that God wants us to be. The same in any sphere. We could, we could incredibly uh, excel in terms of involvement out in the, in the community and just be incredible out in the community. But God, we're still not going to be the church that God wants us to be if we are not all involved in using our gifts. You are a participant here, not a spectator. If you continue, if you, if you have been a spectator, and if you continue to come and be a spectator, I promise you, you'll get bored. You'll get bored of me, I'll bore you, the service will bore you, and there's going to be other, more things, other things that are more exciting out there in life if you're just wanting to spectate. And that's because you've been designed by God not to spectate, to be part of the plan. Part of the, again, you're part of the, the church, and you've been gifted by the Holy Spirit and part of the church. And sitting, and sitting and looking at the stage for 90 minutes once a week is, uh, is, is what we define as church, and we need to really take a, take a step back and think about what we, uh, what we understand as being part of the church. I want to put that up to you. That's, that's your habit to be here and just, and, and, and just sit down and look at the stage for, for 90 minutes and then go and, and do nothing else as part of being the church, then, then that is not what God has has called us to, not what God has called us to have been in front of the church. Good night for visitors, if you're a visitor here today, we welcome you and we invite you to sit down there and watch for minutes. It's okay. It's okay. And if, and if you're, and look, and if you are here and you are just uh, perhaps investigating the Christian faith, 
we invite you just to, as long as you want to be here with us and uh, interact with the with, with the you know, Christians that are around here. Uh, look at what's going on. Learn as much as you want. Ask questions as, as much as you want. And here's what, here's what I do want you to also realize as you are doing this. So there is a group of people around you who think there is much more to God and to the Christian faith than sitting in pews for 90 minutes once a week. There is far much more than that. It is so ingrained in them and, and, and uh, it has so changed their life that they are, by being part of this church, they are interacting with one another, they are loving one another, they are living life together to, to various degrees as our 21st century allows us to. And more of that even, that by becoming a Christian, by placing their faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, that, has, that two things have happened. Their, their sin, the things that have, have been, that have separated them from God, have been washed away. So they are being, being brought into a right relationship with God. And they can stand before God clean because of Christ's forgiveness and because He has wiped them that away. That's one thing. But the second thing is that God has given them His Holy Spirit. And His Holy Spirit is dwelling inside them. And what that means is that they are empowered in an amazing and in a supernatural way to serve and to love one another and to be part of the church. And the things that you see around you and the, the way that the church is interacting together and even putting on this service week after week after week after week is actually something that is somewhat supernatural. Because people are using their gifts and they love one another and they love serving one another and they and then through the week there is all sorts of things that are going on both inside the building and all the way through the community because of God's Spirit living within them. So if you're a visitor and if you're uh, just investigating the Christian faith, I would highly encourage you to, to chat with whoever it is that perhaps brought you along or I'd love to chat with you after the service just to, just to start getting into those sorts of things just a little more. But we are participants here. And so, what we want to do then, because of all that, is we want to learn more about the gifts. And so, I just want to spend a few minutes, like I said, we're not going to have time to roll through all the gifts, just but we want to have a look at the gifts of prophecy. As I mentioned last week, as an eldership, we believe that, that all the gifts that are listed in the New Testament are available for us today and are active in the, in the church today. And that, that, of course, then means, what do, you, what do we do with gifts like prophecy, gifts like tongues, gifts like miracles, gifts like healings? So, again, it's going to take a little prophecy today, and we'll, uh, there might be other opportunities at other times to take with some of the others, but let's work through this. First of all, what is New Testament prophecy? And the starting point, we have what, we have, what is listed here in 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, but I think we've got to utilize more of the New Testament to put together a full definition of that, of this. And so, as a group of elders, we've worked to, to put a definition together, trying, trying to mesh together all that we have from the New Testament to understand that. We've relied heavily on some uh, wonderful guys like John Piper and Wayne Grudem to, to, uh, to help us to do that. But here's a, here's a working definition of the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is a message or report in human words is made to believers and is based on a spontaneous personal revelation from the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, some of you are just talking a little bit about that word revelation. I'll come back to it. All right, now. Just hold on for just a second. Because it is not 
necessarily free from a mixture of human error. Prophecy needs to assessment based on scripture and mature spiritual wisdom. Prophecy encourages, consoles, or guides the believer. So these are the definitions. I'll leave it up there for a few minutes so you can so you can uh, observe observe absorb that. That's what we So from that definition and from what we see in the New Testament there, and I want to encourage you to have a look at that definition, check it out, be a good Berean, have a look through the scriptures, see if that's back up with what the, what the New Testament says. Based on that defin- on a definition, based on the New Testament, God still occasion gives spontaneous revelation to a person. When I say revelation, all I mean there is that it is from God. Uh, there is all sorts of things that are, there are all sorts of uh, uh, revelation that we have. Of course, the only perfect and absolutely secure one that we have is the Bible. Right? We want to just land there first up. Uh, Romans 1 tells us that the world, the creation around us, is also revelation. It, it reveals who God is to us. We understand some of who God is because of the world around us, creation. Uh, I think a good argument could be made for conscience being uh, an example of, of revelation. But, as, you mean, as, the, as it's mentioned there, this uh, prophecy is not necessarily free from a mixture of human error, and so prophecy needs to be a uh, it needs to be assessed based on scripture and mature spiritual wisdom. Why do we come to that conclusion? Because scripture says that it needs to be weighed. If you uh, read the Bible, First Thessalonians chapter five. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse verses twenty and twenty-one. I'll read it to you here. But feel free to put your eyes on and make sure that I'm not, not making any mistakes. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything and hold on to the good. Clearly, uh, the Paul was telling the Thessalonians there that that uh, they needed to hear those prophecies and they needed to test those prophecies and then hold on to the good. Why would they need to be tested if, uh, if uh, unless there potentially was some sort of error in them? All right, so let's have a uh, a, a bit more of a quick look through, through these sort of things. First up, we might get nervous about this and for good reason. Because uh, when we start talking about prophecy and, and revelation from God, we can sometimes say, so is there something now that comes that's new and could potentially trump the Bible? Or are we adding to the Bible? Like, what if someone gives a really, really, really good prophecy? What do we, what do, we do with that? Uh, do, we, do we stick some extra pages in the back of our Bible and, and, and put them in? And prophecy potentially, potentially, if used incorrectly, could diminish the scriptures because prophecy can be uploaded and can be really exciting. But, I want to just continue to roll back on the fact that the Bible is the perfect word of God. Even better, even better, you know that? Even better than seeing Jesus in the flesh? That must, that must sound a little bit fit to you. But Peter himself said that. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter, remember, was one of the guys that saw Jesus transfigured. When Jesus just changed, uh, changed appearance, and he was this incredibly, uh, he showed, I guess, his deity and his friend of Peter, James, and John. Peter was one of them. And then he says in 2 Peter chapter 1 that even though we saw with our own eyes Jesus and he transfigured before us, that we have something more sure. 
we have something more civilized, which is the, the very word of God, the scriptures. And so uh, we get nervous, but we need to remember that nothing, nothing replaces the Bible. Nothing uh, is, is on par with the Bible. The Bible is the very word of God. So we can get nervous, uh, but we but still the Bible says the prophecy is there, so we need to need to start working through. Secondly, prophecy isn't teaching. The two gifts, uh, prophecy and teaching, and in First Corinthians 14, verse 6, uh, distinguish between the two. Uh, so uh, there's, there, we need to just be clear that it's not teaching. It is something different there. Um, Old Testament and New Testament prophecy also, by the way, are uh, seen as something different. And so we were looking at, uh, at this idea because because prophecy in the New Testament can contain error. And, and I think even sometimes some of you might be holding fire there and thinking, oh, hold on, what's going on here? So let's just lay that out a little bit. Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy are different. Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the, the prophet was held to the strictest standard. Read Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. If the prophet got it wrong, he was supposed to be killed. That's pretty much the highest standard that you could you have to get it right or you're you The Old Testament, they would often, the Old Testament prophets would say, often say, thus fast the Lord. And the New Testament prophecy is dealt with very differently. And unless it was referring to the Old Testament prophets, the, the prophecy was not held as a as uh, the, the exact very words of God. And in fact, in Titus 1, there's even a pagan prophet. The, uh, if we were looking at the um, the Old Testament prophets and the Old Testament, the Old Testament writers, the New Testament equivalent, I think, would be the apostles. The apostles wrote down the very words of God. The apostles got it 100 percent wrong, and they wrote it, wrote it down in, in scripture, and therefore it was 100 percent correct. Yes, in the New Testament, we have some examples of of New Testament prophecy being. We'll continue perhaps just a little bit of error. If you if you want to have a look, we're not going to be able to try to dive into it the time. And we'll look at Acts chapter 21. There's a character there by the name of Agabus. What Agabus does is he brings a prophecy to the Apostle Paul. And he says, Paul, you're going to be bound by your, you know, the, the, the uh, Romans are going to take your belt and bind you. Um, and, 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 and you're going to be, sorry, you're going to be uh, handed over to the, to the Romans. And, uh, and what we see later on in this chapter is that Agabus got most of the details right. He got a handful of the details wrong. He got the, the basic gist of the prophecy right, but he got a handful of the details wrong. And no, no question of Agabus being stoned or anything like that or called a false prophet. You put that together with the likes of First Thessalonians 5 that we just read before, that we're not to despise prophecies, but we to test the prophecies and then hold on to what is good. And so we, uh, we, we then uh, roll through that and, and look at, the, at how prophecy is used in the New Testament and we come to the, have to come to the conclusion that New Testament prophecy in terms of the prophecy, the, the, those that have the spiritual gift of prophecy can give that an error. Now let's make a little, little, little real clarification here. Any prophecy that were, has been written down in the scriptures is by very definition 100% correct. There's no... No, didn't know. There's no. I just want to make that 100% clear. Any prophecy in the New Testament that has been written down here is 100% correct. But us with a spiritual gift of prophecy today and given some sort of prophecy can get that wrong. 
telling something that God has brought to mind. So, God has brought it to mind. The Holy Spirit has brought it to mind. So, maybe you might ask the question, so if the Holy Spirit has brought it to mind, how can you get that wrong? And I think we have to make, have to, have to, uh, make sure that we are very clear here. God gets the prophecy right. No one is questioning God in terms of the prophecy. But we are imperfect. We are fallen human beings, right? And as we, as we uh, uh, give that prophecy to someone or to a group, then we are imperfect and we can mess up sometimes the parts as we communicate it. Communicate it. Just as Agabus did. Agabus, just given in terms of just a, a narrative prophecy to, to Paul. Not a, not a prophecy written down by the apostles that was given to the church. Okay, so I'm just making sure that we're very clear about that. Agabus's uh, prophecies seem to be just in terms of a narrative and uh, get got details wrong. The apostles never did. So, because of all that, we then need to, as 1 Corinthians 14, 29, if you can put, you can, uh, put your um, uh, eyes on that, it's a verse we didn't, didn't read, it's for time's sake. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 29, says two or three prophets could speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. It is then weighed with Scripture. This is what we do. Prophecy, we, uh, we weigh it with Scripture. We wouldn't need to do that if prophecy was perfect and it was on par with Scripture, but it's not on par with Scripture. There's nothing that is on par with Scripture. So prophecy is revelation from God, but just as, as any anyone operating in a spiritual gift, the thing about spiritual gift of teaching, the thing that I'm doing right at the moment, I can get things wrong, right? Anyone who teaches can get things wrong. Where it's a spiritual gift and, and, and power, we, we hope and pray by the Holy Spirit, but we can get that, get that wrong. And the same thing with, spirit, uh, with, with prophecy. So a revelation from God, and God gets it right, and we can sometimes get the translation of that, or the interpretation of that, or the, the, uh, the telling of that incorrectly. All right, so let's just quickly move through this, uh, the last couple of things, and then and how it applies here at the ABC. So we could desire prophecy. First Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Why? Because the spiritual gifts, we just talked about it last week, we rolled through that for, for quite some time. Spiritual gifts are helpful for us. But here for the building up and the edification of us as a, as a group. Now I want to just double down on what we talked about last week. The spiritual gifts, and, and when it particularly comes to something like prophecy, it is not necessary. And so I'll that specifically. Said that prophecy is not necessary in terms of the New Testament spiritual gift of prophecy. It's helpful. Scripture is all that's necessary. Scripture is sufficient. Scripture is all that we need. We don't need these other things, but God gives them to us as helpful gifts. They are helpful for us to build us up. Build us up. And when not to despise those prophecies as Christians, it's And all gifts, including prophecy, should point us back to the gospel. I read the, the first few verses that flow on after this, this passage of prophecies, uh, which naturally disclosed into, into, the, into the gospel. And, and look at uh, verse 15, uh, sorry, chapter 15, verse 2. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word that I have preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. This is uh, the, the Corinthians, they were all about the gifts. They were all about 
they, they've forgotten the giver and the gift. They were all about themselves and, and, and look at me, I can prophesy, look at me, I can, I can speak in tongues, etc. And they were all about themselves and they've forgotten about the giver. And the spiritual gifts can always bring us back to encouraging one another in the gospel. That's what they're there to do. That's what, and, and, and I love the, the example that we had just before in the, in the interview. Uh, the, that those, 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 those gifts were there not just to be, to be building each other up, and although they do that, but they are also there to help us proclaim the gospel out in the, out in the community. So all gifts could bring us back to the gospel. They're going to return us back and eyes back on God. Remember, I speak to talk about those gifts. They're always going to glorify Jesus. A, uh, a quick example of this a couple of weeks back, I was uh, just, just after the, the service, uh, a brother came to just came up and just, just chatted with me and, uh, and brought to me what, what you just described as a prophecy. And, uh, and as he as he did that, he described it to me. I'm not going to uh, tell you the details of it. It was, it was just a private one-on-one conversation, um, but it was it was a real encouragement to me at, at that particular point in time. And then, as I went through the week to come, there was all sorts of things that just just happened through the week. Um, and uh, as a as a side note, but some of those things were uh, somewhat. As you, as you know, there's a, there's a handful of things that are, that are going on at the moment. We've uh, recently relate, released a statement of faith, um, which uh, I don't think changes anything. We just sort of clarify where, the, where as an eldership, things, uh, things sit. Uh, we had a prayer meeting the other week. We just talked a little bit about maybe some changes happening next year. Uh, the other week, we also uh, just uh, suggested that and started the, the process of thinking through the possibility of a, a name change and if, and if that was to happen, what that might, might, might be. And I, and, I, uh, and I think probably a few things have hit all at once, you know, potentially, and, 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 and some people are feeling like oh, everything's changing. And uh, my apologies if that's, if that's the feeling that's, uh, that's there. Is, um, yeah, we want to take these things carefully and take these things slowly, and if that, some of those things caught you off guard. Uh, my apologies. But as, the, as it went through the, the week, there was you know, things, things roll back onto your, onto your plate. And sometimes they're, they're difficult to hear. And I would encourage you, in fact, uh, as, you, as you do feedback, thank you so much for, for, for the feedback. There's lots and lots of uh, helpful feedback, encouraging feedback, feedback that pushed back a little bit on the things that we're doing. Um, and there was also feedback that was, uh, that was a little hard to hear. Um, and I just, want to, I just want to encourage you as you, as you do feedback as well, please I really encourage you and invite it. Uh, as you do uh, type at the keyboard or the lights, uh, I'd encourage you to remember that there is a human being on the other end of that email um, or, 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 the, or the survey response. Um, it's just, just good to, good to remember. And also I say that because when we are operating in our spiritual gifts, as we are operating by the power of the Holy Spirit, these things last week we talked about, they will always encourage and build up and edify the church. And so as, as, you, as, you're, as you're doing that, please do, please do feedback and, and just, just talk, to, talk to us and whether it's email, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a visit, anything. We really, really encourage that. But remember, if it's the Holy Spirit working within you, it will be encouraging and edifying and building up, even if you disagree. 
And so I really, really encourage you in that. And so as I was walking through that week, and some of the, and there was, there was times when uh, some of those things were a little hard to hear, it was lovely to just to be able to think that just a few days ago, someone who encouraged me with a, with a prophecy sitting you know, here at the front of the, of the chapel. Prophecy is there to build us up and to, and to encourage us. So, as we, uh, as we round out then, some really practical things. Uh, the, the, the elders uh, are working through just a, a, a simple position paper on, on prophecy, and we'll to just have worked through some other things um, on that as well. And that we, it's not quite there ready to be released. Unfortunately, it wasn't for the time of but it's okay. Here's a couple of things in terms of the working out that we've, uh, we've agreed on today. In terms of prophecy, how does it work in TABC? Given the size of our congregation that gathers on a Sunday morning and therefore the, the, the necessary organized nature of the service that we conduct, we ask that we refrain from the impromptu use of prophecy in the main Sunday morning gathering. We want to hear uh, in terms of prophecy, but just like we, we generally don't have impromptu praying or, 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 or giving a teaching, etc., in the, in the service, just because of the, the nature of the, the, of the, the as far as the gathering here, we are constantly refraining from, uh, from that on the Sunday morning. However, if anyone has a prophecy that is specific to an individual that is helpful, encouraging, and upbuilding, they're invited to lovingly, carefully, and wisely take that prophecy to the individual directly. The recipient then is asked to lovingly, carefully, and wisely test and weigh that prophecy and hold on to it as being good and as per First Thessalonians 5. Which is exactly what uh, brother did to, with me the other, the other week. And it was really helpful. And it was just really encouraging. If anyone has a prophecy from the Lord that he or she believes is helpful and useful and edifying for the whole church body, then we just ask that we could bring that to the elders for consideration. Elders will test and weigh the prophecy as directed in Christus 75. Elders will communicate back to the one given prophecy that half the community communicating it. It might be to a group, it might be to an individual, it might be to the whole church. And it might also be that it's been that the prophecy has not come to the of way and so does not get communicated further. We've got to realize that at, at, at just who we are as a, as a church and, and, and our history as a church and the, the journey that we've, that we've been on, um, we, we've got to just try and wisely and, and as best we can uh, work this out in the, in the life of the church. And lastly, we ask and expect that any prophecy given in any sphere of the church life be explicitly positive in nature. First Corinthians 14, 3 tells us that the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their upbuilding, for their encouragement, and for their consolation. Therefore, rebuking and correction is not the place of New Testament prophecy for the local church. Now, is there a place for rebuking and correction in the New Testament church? In the local church? Yes, there is. And what is the tool that God has given us for that? Scripture, right? The scripture is useful for correction and for rebuking and for building, building us up to be the men and women of God that we, that we should be. So we encourage you to do, to do that as necessary as the factory. So we should be a kind of people that aren't just chasing after the props we like in Corinthians, but we should be a kind of people that are strong in the Word so that we can evaluate. Obviously, shouldn't be practiced in a group that isn't spoke in the Word. Because otherwise, we won't be able to evaluate it, won't be able to test it. And so, as we finish up, can I just ask us to be a people of love? To be a people of love, because that will, uh, that will 
stop us from uh, trying to just show off in any of those areas, but it will also drive you to share something that maybe just feels a little bit awkward. Would I encourage you also, can I encourage you also to be careful with prophecy and with the will of God? Um, we uh, just encourage us to refrain from this kind of a contemporary thing that goes going around uh, in Christian circles, the idea of those words that kind of God told me or God said to me. Um, maybe I want to just suggest you refrain from those kind of things that, that all those kind of just those uh, phrases, rather maybe a humble and a careful, I believe that God is saying this to me for you. And, uh, and if you're sitting here thinking this is you, you don't understand the gifts like this, and, uh, these gifts don't come for the would, uh, would you worship with, with me, even if you see things different? Would you, uh, would you be, yeah, just enjoy being part of this congregation? Even if you see the, the operation of the gifts uh, different. As an elder, we're just trying to best that we can, faithfully as we can, Understand the scriptures and implement that, that in the in the church body. And so, if you see it differently, we love you. You are you are well within, absolutely within the, the historical Orthodox Christianity. And, and so, we just uh, yeah, we just want you to just just feel like you are uh, uh, in, uh, uh, be here, worship with us, and, and be a be a, uh, an absolutely a core part of, of this church. Let's pray again. Father, thank you for the gifts. Thank you for the spiritual gifts as we see them lined up in, in your word. And we pray that as we, as we uh, enjoy operating in our spiritual gifting and as we enjoy what you are doing here in this church, I pray that we'd be careful, that we'd be loving, that we would just work together uh, to, uh, to build one another up, to edify one another, to and to encourage one another, and I pray that our gifting would be doing exactly that, and uh, that we would refrain from harshness, we refrain from, uh, from, yeah, from uh, the way that the world interacts, but that we would pray that we would always be loving one another in, in the way that we exercise our spiritual gifts. And I pray that those spiritual gifts would also be explicitly and always for your glory, Lord Jesus. And so we thank you, and it is in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray this Amen.